Hey crew, welcome back to another episode of the Skippy Report. On this episode, I sit down with my good friend Kate Galliet from the American Midwest who's now moved out to the American West to live the dream. Kate is an exercise scientist, personal trainer, and physical activity mentor. She's recently published a book called Becoming Unbreakable, and it's about aging while maintaining resiliency in your physical activity because it shouldn't suck as you get old, and it shouldn't hurt. Anyway, so I hope that you can uh, find a comfortable spot or maybe you're listening to the podcast while you're being physically active. Anyways, enjoy this episode with my good friend Kate Galliet. On the show today, we have Kate Galliet from Fit for Real Life, and she has just published a book. Is this your first book or your second book? My first your and f- my first two books. Yes. I a companion journal out with it. That's right. And we got to get that shipping into Canada a lot easier. Because you know what? We can't, we can't get the journal in Canada. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, kind of sucks, but we'll work on it. We it w- will. Yep. So uh, we're going to, uh, what's the name of the book? The book is called Becoming Unbreakable, How to Build a Body You Love to Live In. And I'm there because I'm 58 years old and I'm a broken warrior. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I live in my hot tub. I get a massage there, massage like every three weeks. I try to take care of my body, but I have just broken so many bones and trashed my body. And I, I try to tell all the young athletes, you really got to start taking care of your body. So you don't get to where I am. So thankfully it hasn't really, it has impacted a little bit of my life and what I can do, but uh, I see some of your things that you do and I try them and they help me. So thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And I think you're not alone in that. Like people have taken lots of different paths in life and some are former athletes or now adult athletes and some have never been athletic and some are injured and others are like just confused because they're like, why is my body feel like that like oh I can't move my hips anymore my back goes out every couple of months and they don't understand why and there's definitely been a lack of education about body care in our world that I am proud to fill the gap in and help people see that like like I say in the book until you expire from this planet it's not too late yeah to do anything and it's not that hard either like it really trust me I will talk about this I took the journey that was like the hardest one you could take to figure this out. But now that I've learned those lessons, I can help make it a little bit easier for everybody who else wants to go on that journey. And that's what I hope to do in the book. That's awesome. Yeah. I know like, um, I was just thinking, oh yeah, my, my massage therapist, she always says motion, uh, motion is lotion for the body. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy, you know, like I'll work out down here in the basement every couple of days. And I had a, a stupid fall on a boogie board. And when you <laughs> fall on wet sand, you may as well fall on concrete. Mm-hmm. And I, I did something to my hip and it's come back to haunt me a little bit. But you know what? When I work out and do what I do, um, my hip doesn't bother me so much. You yeah. just have to be disciplined to uh, do it on a regular basis. Yeah, you definitely do. And we can get away with it when we're younger, but like, wouldn't it be better to set those habits early, right? And, like, yeah. make it so that it's easier to do it. Because uh, I give people a lot of credit who take on 
body care and fitness or sports when they're adults, because like everything's working against you. You don't have as much time as kids right. did to go yeah. to the hill or, you know, practice or nowadays watching YouTube videos to learn how to be good at it. And you have less energy because you have yeah. demands on your life and you've got all these other, like, I don't want to call them excuses because they're like realities of life, but like, like setting any habit, you have to like build yourself up to it, you yeah. know, and like work through the challenge of motivation and all that is so much easier to do when you're younger, which is why I just get so proud when I see adults be like taking it on and like deciding they're going to feel their best or pick up skiing or do whatever. And I'm like, Oh, go you. That is, yeah. that is the thing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, for sure. And, and it kind of reminds me of like when I, I just did a podcast and published it with Travis Bellantino. He's fantastic. And how he's gotten back into skating with his son, Dylan. And I always love it when the young kids look at the old guys and go, holy cow, you can do that? You know, <laughs> even just recently, my cousin, Brian, he we're all basketball players. And he was in Germany visiting his sister, who's got this son, who Matteo, who's an incredible, he, they lived in the States. And he was one of the top-ranked 12-year-olds or 11-year-olds for basketball in the U.S. And then they moved on to Germany because that's where Jacques' work is. But Brian, Brian hadn't dunked for a few years, and he's trimmed himself down a little bit because he's had some health issues. And, you know, the kids are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he threw it down, and they're like, oh, Uncle Brian really can dunk? You know? So, I love that. <laughs> that's what I love, yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. I think adults can be a great example to kids in that way too. Like proving, proving them wrong because you know that the kids look and they're like, "You can't do anything anymore," and then you you still got it, and yeah. and you you can just show them that it's possible to be cool when you're older and still be able to move. Yeah. You know, I, I know in my phys ed classes, the kids always said I would cheat. I said, "What do you mean I'm cheating?" I said, "Especially when we'd play ultimate." And I throw the disc a funny way, not the normal way. And it's much more efficient for me. And the kids are like, you cheat. You cover the entire pitch when you throw the disc. You you got to cheat. I said, no, I don't cheat. It's just, I'm just throwing it. Like, you know, <laughs> so I, I love that sort of stuff. So that's so cool. Anyway, so whereabouts did you grow up? I grew up in a teeny tiny community in the far northwestern suburbs of Chicago. And so when people say, oh, where are you from? I always say Chicago because people don't know like, right. the tiny little areas, right? Um, but it was this super tiny rural place that you needed to entertain yourself because there was nobody nearby. There weren't even any other kids in the neighborhood for a number of years. Wow. Um, and then when there were, it was like, it was too far to ride our bikes anywhere. And it was unsafe because we had to cross some roads to get to some other places. Yep. So entertainment was climbing trees and riding bikes and playing maple leaf and skating in the garage on the roller skates and you know looking for golf balls because there's a golf course nearby and right. trying to find golf balls we could sell back to them to the golfers <laughs> you know um, i actually so like, would go into the driving range and steal the golf balls and then <laughs> take them back to them <laughs> very entrepreneurial of you um, yeah so that was like childhood and i played sports from a very young age and my parents were great at putting me into things, which then they'd have to like cart me off to the lessons and right. all that. Um, and so my youth was spent being super active in the yard and in the neighborhood and playing sports and playing school sports, loving gym class back when you could still play like dodgeball and 
chuck a Nerf ball at other kids' heads. Oh, you can't do that in the U.S.? <laughs> Apparently not. Oh, man, we so, do in Canada. And you know what? I don't know if you ever played Fireball. Mm, I don't think so. So when I would referee Fireball games, I would have to get the floor hockey nets and sit inside the floor hockey net. <laughs> because you put out, like, five or six balls, and there's no teams. Everyone what? is for themselves. And so when you get hit by the dodgeball, you have to sit down. And then the only way you can get back into the game is you watch the person who hit you. When they get hit, then you get back in the game. See, that sounds fun. And it would take the entire class. I think in all the years that I played fireball or officiated fireball, because I did. there's no way I was playing. And um, I think we had two complete games. Our, our periods were 50 minutes. So we had two complete, like, winners in all the years that I taught fire or wow. played fireball. And it's really great because you could kind of see alliances start to mm -hmm. build. And then when those alliances were left, then they would break apart. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, kids oh, love man. kids love dodgeball, and it's a great – people I don't realize how much class. of a great physical activity it is. Yeah, absolutely. You're jumping so and diving and – yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so sorry for interrupting. No, you're fine. So that was that was my youth and having a great time. And I really started to gravitate towards softball and um, enjoyed that quite a bit and uh, moved into some more like higher level competition with that. Um, so by the time I got to high school, it was like a natural choice to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, do the athlete program where you're lifting weights a couple times a week and play volleyball and basketball and softball and became an athletic trainer, which I think is where, like, I really got my first taste of the career I have now because right. I you got to shadow these athletic trainers that worked from the – came from the physical therapy studios, you know? Right. And, and work on athletes that were getting injured and help them with their training and be a part of that and then apply it to myself because I was an athlete and – it was like a really great foundation to what my entire life became thereafter. Right. So that's, that's where I really came from. That's cool. That's cool. So uh, after high school, you went off to college, I would imagine. I did. I did. There was, that was like a no brainer choice because I, I didn't, I, they were like, you're going to college. What do you want to study? And I was like, okay, we're going to figure this out. And it, but it was exciting to me because it was like, oh, now I'm going to get to really study the human body. Right. That's cool. And I was so into like the body and all the things it can do and the way it works and that, that there's names for all these different parts of a bone and a joint and a muscle and all this kind of cool stuff. And so um, we had an exercise science program that was a bachelor of science um, track at the university I went to. And it was a nice small college in Indiana that, um, was just just big enough to like right. have a really fun time and learn a lot, but have small classes where you could have that really intimate connection with maybe ten students and a teacher. You know, sounded like my so, school. Yeah, we had, where did you go? Uh, Laurentian University. It's kind of funny in the U.S. They talk about college. I think the way we talk about university. Mm, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, Laurentian University is in Sudbury. When I was there, there was uh, three thousand full time students. Same. I went to Valparaiso and we had 3,000. Oh, cool. Like the basketball Valparaiso? Valpo basketball. No way. It. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a year or two after Drew Brees hit that amazing shot. Yes. In Sweet 16. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, Homer Drew was still the coach then. And oh, it was a great time. Um, nice. Our football team, not so much. But the basketball <laughs> team. Yes. Really yes. 
Yeah. So, um, so that was pretty quickly. I realized that if I was going to have an exercise science degree, I needed to head more towards like the, um, rehab training side of things and not the orthopedic surgeon side of stuff, because I very quickly realized I, I wasn't smart enough and interested in becoming smart enough to do all the pre-med stuff. Right. And so, and I think that worked out for the best because I love writing and creating and teaching and that wouldn't have probably been as much of an option if I decided to become like an orthopedic surgeon or something like that, or a nurse in an orthopedic setting or whatever. So I'm really grateful that that's kind of how that worked out. But um, I was able to spend my whole college career studying the human body and learning how how it works and how you train it and going into the lab and learning about VO2 maxes. And I know, isn't that like we had to do that for my phys ed degree. And in one of my, uh, I think earlier podcasts with Corey Snyder, we kind of geeked out on all that sort of stuff. Because uh, he's uh, doing a PhD in biomechanics, mm. and he's f- probably finished now. And he got a job working for Red Bull, working with oh, cool. uh, yeah the motorcycle equivalent of uh, the F one racers, car racers. Nice. Yeah, so I I always remember those experiments that we were Ooh. told not to, or the labs, and we were told not to do this, but we would screw around with each other and do things. and Yeah, it was super fun to make someone run on the treadmill because you were all athletes in there anyways. And it was like, you're going to run until they hit their lactate threshold and then you're going to see how much farther you can push them. And then they would like practically die on the treadmill. And it was yeah. hilarious because yeah. we all did it to each other. Oh. Um, so those were some really great, fun years. And um, it set the stage for me to get my um, first training certificate, okay. personal training certificate while I was in college. Also because my mom was like, you need more money and I don't have it for you. Right. So you need to get a job. Right. Um, and I didn't want to work on campus, but there was a gym nearby and I knew I was like, well, this training thing sounds pretty cool. And um, so I got a certificate and they were nice enough to let me shadow and practice with these clients that they had at their gym. I was horrible at it, but right. like everybody is when they first start. Exactly. And I got to practice. Um training them and teaching them exercises and writing an exercise program and, and having the human connection of what you know about how a body's supposed to adapt. And then the human who's sitting in front of you and all the things they come with, like their emotions and thoughts and motivation challenges and, and whatnot. Um, but that was super cool. And so I did that job during college. And then during the summer, I would, started working at um, a pool I had been a lifeguard my entire youth right. life. Yep. I loved, but it was at a lake. And so I, I moved on to a pool at that point. And it was at this gym called Lifetime Fitness. And they had a gym with trainers. And I asked if I could shadow. And they were like, yeah, sure. So I worked for free and learned a lot of stuff there. And then did my best to do a good job so that when it came time to get a job before school ended, I could call them up and say, hey, do you have a job for me? Right. And they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you back. So I came and started working there. And so being a coach and a trainer is practically the only job I've ever had, right? aside from lifeguarding, really. So it's been 20 long years of helping thousands wow. and thousands of people to change, which is why I feel excited to share like what's in the book and in my programs, right. because I haven't just done this for myself to build my body that I love to live in. I've done it with countless individuals who are all so different, but also similar in some ways and learned how it works with different people and how you can help people are in different situations to change 
yeah. towards an end goal that they actually want. So, um, yeah, so that's a bit of how I got to where I am today. You know what I love? You talked about approaching these gyms and asking to shadow and work for free. I was, I was just watching this guy on um, YouTube. He's a homesteader. I think he's more of a prepper, but uh, he's got some good content. And he talks about the things that he's learned and how he's gotten to where he is is because he's gone to these places and said, hey, can I push a broom here? I want to learn about stuff, but I'll push a broom. I don't care. You know, work for free. And then over the time, over the years, you know, he ended up being an apprentice in a variety of trades, which has helped him in what he's doing now. So, yeah, it was – and you know what? I always try to tell young people, you know, just get out there, find something. I always push trades, you know, so you're always needing to apprentice and that sort of stuff because knowledge is, is, is wealth. You can apply it anywhere. Yeah. I mean, think about, I think of my trajectory in my life. Would that have happened any other way? Who knows? I can't go back and imagine. But like the amount of knowledge I got from shadowing, I can't even tell you how many hours I shadowed before I actually got paid for doing the work. Right. Um, It would, but that was like fundamental to, to me being able to take knowledge with me, but also to prove myself that I was a hire that would probably be a good hire for them to actually bring on like, Oh, if she's going to do this when she's not getting paid, what will she do when she gets paid? You know? Exactly. Um, I think it's good for you too, because it teaches you that like, you got to put the work in if you want to get results. I mean, that's true for bodies. That's true for relationships. That's true for school. Like it it teaches you a lot about hard work. And to the, to your point about the guy who's like, Hey, can I come push a broom? even a job where maybe his goal wasn't to learn like how to clean the barn out or something. Yeah. Just by being there, he learns things and then he can ask questions and then, then he can work himself into maybe getting to do one of the other jobs that they, that they're doing that he wants to learn about that isn't broom pushing, you know? Right. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really cool. And I think it's important to encourage people to show up and be willing to work and offer yourself. And I think good things come from that. I, and you know what? Showing up <laughs> and offering yourself, just showing up. My, yeah. my, my favorite uh, Olympic moment was, uh, I can't remember, the famous American speed skater, Apollo Ono. Apollo Ono. Yeah, and it was in that, that Olympics. And there's this kid from Australia, like, skating, figure or uh, speed skating in Australia. And, like, the dude just kind of showed up, made his way in, and then something happened in a bunch of, in the finals, the skaters got wiped out and he was the only guy standing and he got the gold medal, you know, like yep. show up. You never know what's going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So from um, college, working in the fitness clubs and that sort of stuff, um, I only met you once you had moved out to Utah. Yeah. From Chicago. So in between Chicago area and Utah or Valparaiso and Utah, what happened there? Well, I, I had worked my way up into management at Lifetime Fitness and that was fun, but eventually just felt like it was time to do something different and um, had the opportunity to go open a gym with someone else okay. and thought, well, that, that seems cool. Like, all right, yeah, no rules. I can do what I want. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, so naive, um, <laughs> but it encouraged me to think about maybe branching out into like, like what could I do differently? You know, right. and back in those days, I'll tell you what, um, back in those days, when I worked at Lifetime, 
social media was not what it is today. And right. in fact, you were not allowed to have a personal presence as a business right. outside of the company that you weren't allowed to have a personal coaching business, not a personal fan page on Facebook or whatever you had to, you were working for the company. Right. That's where you do your work. Yes. And um, now it's totally different and they want you to be like, you know, famous yeah. on social media. Yeah. But um, so when I left, I was like, oh, well, okay, now, now I could start a blog. And so I did start up back when blogging was an actual thing. Yeah. Um, kids listening today, we have these things called blogs. It's where you wrote long form content. People would comment <laughs> on it. It was incredible. Uh, it was like a golden age. And so I blogged for a number of years while we were running this gym. And I learned a lot of life lessons about running a gym, learned a lot of life lessons about buying out business partners. And so I eventually bought them out and, um, and was running group classes and one-on-one -on -one stuff and still blogging. And at, at one point I was trying to do what you do as a teacher, which is to take all this information and like, how do I put this together in a way that it can translate to someone? And then they, they feel empowered by that information. They understand it. Yeah. Like when we have like rubrics in school where you're like, this is how you remember the five bones of whatever. Um, you have these like simple things that help you remember it. I was trying to do that for my clients right. because as much as I love coaching them week in and week out, I also didn't want them to feel dependent on me. I didn't, right. I want, and I want people to feel autonomous. Like I know yeah. what's right for me and I can do it. And when I want a coach to help me or need someone who can help me, I can go find them, but I don't feel like without them I'm lost, right. you know? And so I was trying to come up with a way to do this with my clients. And I developed what I call the six pillars of an unbreakable body. Right. And I then developed a program, which, People will be able to purchase that here in a little while. Um, and what's in the book as well. And once I had done that, I was like, well, cool. Everything's going along. What's next in my career? What do I do next? Right. And the thing to do at that time was to put out like an e-book, like an e-program where right. somebody could buy a download and then they print off all the pages and that's how they go through the program. And I was like, well, that sounds good. I, I, yeah. Okay. I would like to learn how to do that. And I pitched my idea for it to a colleague of mine who was a little more advanced in online business and he's like this is amazing you should make a full like website and program for it right and not realizing what I was signing up for when I did it, I was like okay well that sounds cool <laughs> I literally just created a job and a half for myself in doing that because that is not the simple route to right go. yes um but I went all in and tackled it and that really was the foundation of where I got to today. So I launched this online program called the unbreakable body and, um, it like did awesome and it was really hard to learn it all, but it did really good. And so I was like, huh, okay, well, this is really hard, but I'm making money. That's interesting. Yeah. Yep. Hmm, maybe I don't have to be so tethered to only having gym clients. And maybe I could train people on the internet now. Right. Around that same time, I was starting to realize that something wasn't like right in my life right. and something just didn't feel like a good fit anymore. And maybe you've had that with jobs or maybe people you dated at one point or something where you're like, something just, this just isn't yep. matching anymore. It's yep. not good. And you maybe you can't even put your finger on it at first, but if you think about it, you, you eventually figure it out. And that was kind of happening for me. And I realized that it was, where I was living was a problem. Okay. And I loved the house I lived in. I loved my town. I loved my clients. I loved everything there. 
except I realized I wasn't going to be able to become like the full version of me living there, which was a little bizarre because have you ever made a decision where you're like, I don't know why I'm supposed to do this, but I'm supposed to do this. And I don't even know how it's going to work out, but I got to do this. Have you ever done that? Oh yeah. Okay. So that was like, that was what I was, the situation I was in. And I happened to have two friends who lived in Utah and we were only Facebook friends. Cause again, the world, even in 2013, wasn't that connected like it is today where you can watch someone's story and literally see how they're living their life all right. day long. Yeah. I would just see their post after a weekend out in Utah and and their pictures. And I would be like, what the heck you can go there. Like, that's so pretty. Well, how are you going to the desert one weekend and the mountains another? What are you doing? Like, this is insane. Yeah. From, from, from the Midwest. That's a long way to do all that stuff. Like our fun was, you know, um, like a nature trail or like a flat paved path to ride your bike on, which is better than nothing. Right. But I would see what they were doing, and I was like, huh, that seems interesting. And so I said, well, I think I'd like to check out your city. Can I come visit and stay with you guys? And they were like, yep, for sure. And they took me around and took me into the Wasatch, which everybody skis in. Um, And two visits of just, just driving up and down the Wasatch, like not even exploring, was enough for me to realize I felt more at home in Salt Lake than I ever did wow. in the Midwest. And I decided like, what have I got to lose? Turns out I had everything to lose. I had everything to lose. And I had a hellscape of a path to walk for the decision I was going to make. Oh, really? It was not easy. It was not glamorous. It was brutal, but I didn't know that yet. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm making money on the internet now. So if I can keep figuring that out, then I could replace my income that the gym was providing. Why don't I do that? And so I did and came to Utah and closed my gym and sold off all the equipment and was really sad to leave all those clients behind because they were amazing people. Um, Sorry to interrupt. Would that be around the time just before I met you in 2018? No, that was like four or five years earlier. Okay. Um, I had been in Utah for a few years before meeting Josh and that's then how I met you, of course. And, um, I got to Utah and was like trial by fire for a number of years because running a business online is nothing like running a business in person. There's so many other things you have to figure. I mean, it was like starting from scratch all over again and starting from scratch with social connections routines. Um, would I ever find anyone to date? Who knows? Right. right? Like I didn't know what yep. would happen. Yep. And so I, uh, in the middle of it, all these people are like, that's so brave. And I'm like, well, it's really hard. I wish I could tell you how much it sucks sometimes, right. but I gotta yeah. do it. Here we are. What am I going to do? Go back? No, I can't. And so I started building my life here in Utah and furthering my, my online business to what it is today. That's so awesome. That, that was, that was like my dad. He worked for a large, department store he spent all of his life working there starting off as a stock boy and then working his way up working as the general manager or the head manager of sporting goods and a national buyer and but he wanted a little more for his family he wanted to be a sales rep and there were some language problems in Quebec as there still are and uh we left Lower Canada, as I say, and we moved to Upper Canada, Ontario, and you know, 1977, sold everything, and we still kept our cottage in Quebec. But um, yeah, that was a huge, you know, not really knowing 
where his income was going to come from, even though he did have things lined up, how much of an income, you know, for his family. Like I was 13 years old. My sister would have been 12 and my brother would have been nine or 10. Yeah. So that's a, you know, huge leap. One thing in my classroom, when I taught, I would have these sayings and one of them was always leap and the net will appear. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one was uh, commit and then figure it out. That's Yvonne Schwinard of Patagonia. I love that. It's it's hard to do. Anyone listening to this who's like, oh, maybe that sounds like something I should do. It's hard. Like, I I hate that it gets glamorized a little bit to like right. drop everything and totally change your life, you know? But um, I talk about this a little bit in the book. Part of learning to become unbreakable is also learning how to like listen to yourself and experiment with things and be willing to trust yourself enough to make the choices that you need to make and that you'll figure it out. Right. If you get yourself into a a bind, you'll figure it out. Um, But you have, I think one of the greatest problems is when we don't listen to that. Like, I think we create a lot of suffering for ourselves and we miss a lot of opportunities when we don't take those, those actions. And that doesn't mean that everybody should, abandon ship on what they're doing it just means if you feel that and you're like man i can tell something like i got to do something different here that that you can find the bravery to to do that and know that it's going to be super hard for it, a while it, you but know what it, it's a lot easier just to stop and reset and go off in a different direction than to continue on banging your head against the wall yeah. if you're doing that i, I have a friend I love him. And he gave me this quote. It says, if it takes too much brain energy, don't do it. And I live by that. You know, I met him maybe when I was about 40 and I really try to do that. It's like, yeah, I'm not a good government employee because I'm not into wasting time. I'm like an efficiency expert. Yeah. Cut down the steps into doing this or that, get it done and, and get out. Yeah. But I love, Yeah. yeah. Stop. And, and it takes way less energy to reset. You know, I I was watching Forged in Fire, and you'll watch some of the guys, they just struggle on, struggle on, struggle on. And then the guys who have the same problem, they're like, uh, I'm going to start over. And it's a lot easier to start over. Clear your mind and, you know, focus on something different instead of just bashing your head against the wall. Yeah, and you have to, I mean, we've got this one life to live, so you really got to make your choices wisely because there's a lot of things that are vying for your attention as well and there's even things vying for your attention that you're like oh that would be fun like to sell it all and live in a van like everybody's into that dream now and that might be right for you but you've got to be willing to like the first part you said stop yeah stop so that you can feel into whatever it is you're thinking about or worried about or figuring out or with body stuff, like stop before, like when with my folks, I get a lot of people who are like understandably worried because their body hurts so bad and they feel like they've tried everything and it's not working. And oh my God, what if I'm broken? Um, that, that like panicky sense of like worry and trying to take lots of actions and do a million things all at once and spend money on 20 different practitioners who are all competing with each other with what they're doing. You got to stop for just a second and really get your bearings before you take action. And I, I do invite people to do that often with our body stuff too, not just life choices, because it'll help you see the direction that you should at least start on first, because there's Instagram's great and awful because you can see all yeah. the ways people are doing things. And you're like, should I do that? Should I, what about that way? Should I go this way? 
And the only way you're going to know maybe one of those three ways is right for you. But the only way to know it's truly right as the next step for you is to stop yep. and get present. It, it was interesting when you say that. I got called out by some friends because I always, I didn't like my girls when they were tiny. Tiny babies don't fit in the crevices of my large body. And <laughs> so I said, yeah, you know what, I, when I... You know, my daughter Bronwyn was pregnant and she gave birth to a lovely little Lola. And I was like, yeah, give her to me when she's like five years old. But you know what? When you're a parent, and I, I almost dry, drowned whitewater kayaking. Like I was one inhalation away from water when I got, uh, we had to do a tea rescue and stuff. But mm -hmm. um, that's what parenting is like. You, you know, I was, I lost my paddle. I capsized. I had my spray deck uh, spray skirt loop tucked in rookie mistake i didn't even think about my knife my knife's on my pfd right here by my left uh shoulder um clavicle and i was trying to peel it and then i we do this thing called a hand roll and i can't quite do it and so i was come i was able to come up for air and my partner you always need to paddle with a partner was he was watching me going geez keith really wants to hand roll and then when he saw i went really quiet and i was underwater thinking oh, the next breath is going to burn from what I understand. Then I found, felt a bang on the boat and being a kayaker, I was like, oh, that's Ken. And I put my hand there, grabbed his bow and came up out of the water and <laughs> took wow. a big breath. And that's what parenting is like. But when you're grandparents, it's not like that. You can kind of <laughs> sit back, jump in when you think you're needed, volunteer when you, you know, you're needed. It is because a very, what's that? You earned it. Yeah, yeah. And and it, and it's very helpful that Lola is such a happy baby. Bronwyn is such a good mom. Yeah, mm. so we have breakfast with Lola every day. Me I love media, that. yeah. Yeah, technology is wonderful. Yeah, so. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, so yeah, being able to stand back and kind of look at things is is huge. Yeah, it's super important and when we have body stuff, I get it. We want to, I, I can speak from experience. We tend to want to like get rid of it immediately. Right. You know? and so maybe do something to blunt the pain, like take a pain reliever or um, rest and just, you know, go, go on the couch instead and yep. like, going around and doing your day or working out or whatever. Um, or like worrying that like, oh, surgery is probably what I have to do. It's like this really invasive thing. Yeah. Like that, that must be what I have to do. And I try to teach people that like there are so many options that lay before you yep. that you don't have to rush right into like eliminating the problem. Although I get why you want to, I really do. Um, but if you can approach it with a bit more of a, I call it the explorer's mindset, this, this mental model that I use to teach right. people how to know how to take care of their body. Um, because we need a, a systematic way to assess a situation and decide on courses of action and then evaluate if those courses of action worked. And we don't do that often with bodies because we want to just get rid of the problem right. or we're going to start spinning out with worry because we think, Oh my God, now I need a surgery and whatever. Um, and, and I've known people who actually did have surgeries when they were so young that I was like, Oh man. Okay. So now that's part of your history that you're going to have to work with the fact that you've had a surgery when, I don't know, would it have been necessary? Hard to say, but we want to be really mindful of all these choices we make and be thoughtful about them because that's how we actually 
we'll know if it's the right choice for us and if it works. And so with the explorer's mindset, I coach folks. So start by looking around and acting like an explorer who's going to look at the environment that they're in. In this case, your body and maybe your external environment. Look at all of it and take stock of things. Like notice more than you've noticed before. Notice what's not here that you wish it was. What do you have too much of that you need to figure out what to do with? Like to your point about your homesteader guy earlier, that guy, if he goes on a plot of land that he's going to try to, you know, stake his claim on needs to look at that land and be like, is there water? Yep. What, what plants are here? How's the soil? What are the winds like? Where are the trees? Where do I have protection? We need to assess that with our bodies as well, because while we are all bodies, we're not all quite the same. So do we have, for example, do I have enough range of motion in my knees and hips to do the things I need to do in my life? Um, How much does my day ask of me to move? Is there lots of movement? Like when you were teaching, you probably had a lot of movement. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. You're a computer warrior. You're stuck on your computer for eight hours a day and you don't have a lot of movement. That's right. Yeah. Looking at like, what do you need to bring in that isn't here? Not just movement, but maybe learning. Like you don't know how to exercise safely and effectively. So you might want to take a course and actually yeah. learn that or get a book or something like that. So the first step is to start exploring so that you can get the lay of the land and then formulate a process so that you can tackle what you're trying to tackle. And this is true for parenting. It's true for body stuff. It's true for life choices. Right. The only way to know what experiment you want to do next is to have actually given it some thought. Otherwise you're just kind of scrambling and reacting. Right. Right. Yep. And so I teach people to experiment then by actually learning how to set up a good experiment for your body. I think we're a little too like, and you might even see this in your students sometime back when you were teaching, like we're kind of fly by the seat of our pants sometimes. Oh yeah. It's better when we learn how to, how to study properly, how to prep for a test properly, rather than like, Oh my gosh, I have to study and I have a test tomorrow. Let me just do the best I can with what I got. It's way better when you set up a system so that you're a good studier, you know, and a good test taker. And with bodies, we can do that too. We can learn to experiment with types of movement or workout programs or stopping something or starting something or a way of eating way of sleeping. We can, we can experiment with all this stuff. And in doing so, then you start to learn some things about your body. And the third part of the explorer's mindset is curating, Okay, curating your exercise, your life, whatever you're using this for so that you actually know the things that work for you. And you're not caught up by what happens to a lot of us, which is, Oh, well, Jim is doing that. I, I probably should do that too. That yep. shiny object syndrome. Oh, Megan's doing something new and that looks really cool. Maybe I should do that too. Yep. Yep. And instead knowing, I know the things that work for me. Yep. I know how to experiment with new things that work for me. And I know how to make this real level-headed approach to my body. And I think when it comes to like, I mean, you can use the explorer's mindset that I teach people in the book on anything in your life. But I think when it comes to bodies and being thoughtful and stopping and taking action so that you really do feel good. We need to have a little more of a systematic approach. And I hope to teach that to people. I, and you know, it must be my education because I listen to my body all my time. So I, I remember, I think it was last year, I was having like really tight calf in one leg. And then you had these posts about, I don't know what the pose is. I always tell people it's like when Arnold Schwarzenegger and the original Terminator came down, he's like in this compact pose and, and I was explaining to friends of mine who are race car drivers about how you, because they have tight calves, 
and how you're flat-footed and, and how you're pressing your toes. And I think you said like even pressing on a gas pedal yeah, into the ground and then, and then how that's helped me. But because of my one really bad knee injury that I have, I can't get as compact. So it's kind of like I'm exploring your advice, your movement with my body and, and how it works so it doesn't make my knee worse. Yeah. Similarly, like this one uh, workout that I'm following right now, they say to do uh, tricep dips, body weight tricep dips. Mm-hmm. And in construction in the last year or so, I was erecting a bunch of scaffolding and working over my head. And I've done something to my shoulder that didn't bother me, but it's come back to haunt me. And I can't do those, so I modify them. I can't do push-ups, so I do planks instead. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, and a, a good friend of mine, we'd be out cycling all the time. And... Um, he says, oh, hang on, I got to take some vitamin vitamin Advil. I was like, what do you take that for? Well, because, you know, my body hurts. And I was like, that's your body telling you to back off. Yeah. Not, not to keep working through the pain. You know, it's like yeah. your body has reached its limit. You kind of need to stop that. Yeah. So when you're talking about exploring, yeah. in my mind, that's what I think of exploring yeah. uh, human movement. Totally. I think it's, you touched on so many good points there. That's part of it because I, I think folks for whatever reason have felt like if the workouts pro the workout program I'm doing is written a certain way, I have to do it exactly that way. Or if the diet is written a certain way, I have to do it exactly that way or else I'm failing. Right. And then there's all these like perfectionistic tendencies that come with that and we do that and then end up ignoring our body and work working through quote unquote something we shouldn't have worked through because you're right pain or aches or tiredness or anything it's a it's it's a response telling you that something needs your attention especially with pain or tweakiness or anything in your body it's your body telling you like hey something needs your attention like you might want to investigate this and change course and do something different i have a whole chapter on that in the book too so folks can learn more about that um but I love what you're doing where you're like swapping out exercises. And I, I encourage people to do that because it's like, one, you can go, hmm, why doesn't my shoulder do that? Maybe they didn't, maybe they just have a bad shoulder. They didn't yeah. do anything to make it happen. It just happened. And they're like, why is that happening? So then they have an opportunity to go, okay, can I do something to make it less painful? Right. Can I find something else in the meantime that I can do? And what does that do then for you? It keeps you in the game. Like, yes. Yeah. A lot of people go, oh, my shoulder's bad. I can't do that. So then they do less and less yes, and less. And then yeah. they wonder why when they're 60, they can hardly do anything because their circle of what they can do has shrunk right. over the last 20 years rather than finding a way to find something you can do yes. or fix the area so you can do more or both. Yeah. Uh, so I love that. I think that's that's a fantastic way to explore and, and customize any program to make it work right for you. Yep. And not feel like you're the problem. You're never the problem. It's That's just right. that maybe something doesn't quite work for you. Yeah. I, I know like my daughter, Kieran, she's, uh, she went to school to be a firefighter. She's a part-time firefighter, which is be like a volunteer, but they do get paid. So they call them part-time now. And she's trying to get on into large municipalities and there's a lot of fitness testing. And mm. they, unfortunately she graduated really high in her class at the age of 22 and all the municipalities go, Oh, well, um, you're too young. You you have to go and work and get some real life experience Well, she got injured on a job and yeah, with her wrist and she's left-handed, 
you know, it's her dominant hand. She injured and she went to see a surgeon and, and through all the x-rays and everything else, they realized that her, uh, radius and ulna are, are not formed properly. Or I, I think it was the ulna was too long. It was longer than it should have been. And the doctor said, your wrist is never going to heal. We need to do reconstructive skeletal surgery. And so they did that, and it really bothered her that she lost a lot of confidence, primarily that she wouldn't be able to pull a colleague out of a fire. And so now when she moved up to Warkworth, we encouraged her to, you know, join, join the fire department up there and let them decide whether yeah. you're capable or not. So yeah. when it came time for the interview, which really wasn't much of an interview, because <laughs> she has more qualifications than the chief does. Wow. Yeah. So, and everybody was saying, oh, yeah, that's the new girl. That's going to be the new chief, you know, sort of thing. And and she's just kind of sitting in the corner like, no, 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 no. But, no, but the surgeon no. said, never, ever do push-ups like we know with flat hands on the ground. And especially for her, she can't do that. He says mm. you have to be in a neutral position, mm. like you're like you're going. And for the listeners, you, it's like you're going to grab somebody and shake them by their shirt. And so we always make sure, you know, she does her push-ups in a neutral position. And when she mm. goes and does the testing, she's going to have to say, "Listen, I can't do them the way you want me to do them. This yeah. is how you're supposed to do them." Yeah. You know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I have the same thing. This ulna is too long. Okay. And, um, I was like. Nope, we're gonna just work on this as best we can and work around all these different things. And so, if she ever wants more exercises, I'm happy to share some because oh, cool, I've learned cool. a lot over those years. But yeah, it's a weird thing. A lot of us have oddly shaped bones that are too long or too short or just slightly different. And so, yeah. the point is to find the path that works for you. And right. so, for some people, that's gonna be bracing it or changing your routine. Some will be able to go for surgery. Some will be able to do exercises for it. The point is that there's not one right path. That's right. It's what's the right path for you. Yeah. And then how can you make that work for yourself? I love that. She's like, I'm going to find a way to still do a push up, And, and I'm, I hope we see more of that with people of all ages, like that nothing has to stop you. Even I say this book, even a catastrophic injury that would just suck and be so unfair and so frustrating. There's still something you can do after that. There's yeah. still some sort of mindset change action. You can take something you can figure out. And there's so many inspiring people out there who have been through really hard situations who come through the other side with the best way they can. And I think all of us have the potential for that within us. Even if we don't, even if our biggest thing we ever face is like, Oh, I tweaked my back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that might not be as severe as someone who had a, a real catat- catastrophic injury, but it's still a challenge you have to face. And I think the opportunity with any challenge, whether it's a surgery or a problem or anything like that, is to say, wow, I get to construct my life even more now right? because I had to face this challenge and I'm going to figure out how to get through it. I'm right. going to figure out a way forward. Mm-hmm. Well, it was interesting when you were talking about that and the challenges and I was like, during the pandemic, you know, you get lockdowns and people are going squirrely and it, it's like, dude, and Frank survived living in somebody's attic for two years. You can do this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just a mindset. And I, I had a boss one time as they rotate 
principles and it's like oh my gosh I, I just put my head down for five years and did my work yeah. I, I I one of my colleagues at that point they said oh you should have a homeroom so I was like okay so I was on the same floor as the office my shop was down in the basement of the school and one of my colleagues that I hung out with a lot she was at the other end of the hall and the office was in between so I would generally go out of my classroom down the stairs along the corridor, up the stairs, right in front of her class. <laughs> I, I avoided the office for five years as much as I could. Yeah. And that's what, that's how I kept myself sane and happy. Yeah. And I think that's, that's <laughs> a human spirit within all of us to say, like, I will find a way to get through any situation. And I think all of us have that, but so many people for a variety of reasons have been led to believe that they can't feel that way about their body. There's two big myths I talk about a lot. One is that you can, people think it could possibly be too late for them. Right. It cannot be too late for you. No. You are not too old. You are not too weak. You are not too far gone. You have not had too many surgeries. You have not made a bad choice. It can never be too late for you. And right. I teach why that is in the book. Um, and then it, it also, people think it's too complicated. Oh, I don't have an expertise that you've got. I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a trainer. I'm not a teacher. I'm not, I don't know how to deal with this. This right. is too confusing. And I I want people to know it's not nothing about the body is too confusing for you. You might want to hire an expert at some point or go talk to a professional. Right. Um, but that's so that you can learn so yeah. that you can get smarter and do this. And I just, man, I, maybe it's my like pie in the sky dreamer sense that still exists, even though I don't dream about lots of things anymore. I'm like, this is one I still hold on to. And it's that I think the world will be even more fabulous when there are more people who are like, oh yeah, I can totally do anything with my body. I can fix my issues. I can keep active when I'm older. I can skateboard when I'm 45 or 50 or yep. 60 or whatever. Um, I think the world becomes more awesome when you have more people who feel awesome in their body and yeah. feel awesome about how they can take care of their bodies. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> because <laughs> i love you know it's like taylor johnson his grandfather is still skiing and right? he's in his 90s right yes. i believe oh it's amazing yeah yeah i know i know he has some health issues i keep telling josh it's like okay you did taylor and his dad you got to get lloyd get the three of them in there that would be really awesome that would be super cool and i think people like that are great examples but they're not outliers i think all of us have the ability to be anything we want literally our entire lives, no right. matter what we've been through. Yeah. You just have to know some things about how to build your body and take care of it and listen to it. And um, that's my goal with my everything I teach in all the different places and ways that I teach it is like, let's get y'all educated with the basics so that you can do this and feel confident in it. Because there are some specifics you want to learn about body care that will make a positive impact and that are worth spending the time to learn them. Right. Um, but you don't need to get a college degree unless you really want to. Exactly. So I'm, I'm going to hypothesize that what we've been talking about is the basis of your book, The Unbreakable Body. 
It is because it's literally the only thing I ever talk about is all this stuff. So I thought I'd put it in a book form and say, hey, folks, here, read the book. This will tell you everything you need to know about becoming what I call unbreakable, which is the sense of like what we're talking about. Not only do you feel strong when you're unbreakable, but you feel free and you feel confident and you feel capable and you feel autonomous to yourself. So, and, and the regular Joe would think oh, that's invincible. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, And I, I think there's so many ways you can, whatever unbreakable means to you, everyone's is going to be slightly unique to yeah. them. Yeah. But um, I've literally been teaching this for 20 plus years now, and I thought it was time to put it into book form so that you could read the book and go, wow, okay, I've got all these tools at my disposal now. And for those who want to go a little deeper, um, there'll be a, a new workout program. They'll come with this too in a couple of weeks. But even within the book, I included for the book readers, this little book bonus website page where we go even further and I show you videos of things and I guide you through kind of how to apply the stuff that you're learning. Right. And so, cause I just want people to know this stuff and I'm only one person, so I can't sit down and have a conversation with every single person on the planet who exactly. wants to learn this. Yep. But I could hand a book out to people and say, Hey, give this a read. And, yeah. then, and then let's take it from there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, when we were talking about being invincible and doing all that sort of stuff and being a new grandpa, I am. That's like being a little kid. They can do anything. Yeah. yeah and they're good at doing stuff, man. Like, you know, I do a lot of skiing. And you watch little kids, they know how to ski. Because you know what? We always tell people, get wider in your stance. Little kids, they're like super wide, truck driver wide, you know? and. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they intuitively know how to do things yeah. and what gets in the way are the adults. Yeah. You know, like let the kids discover and how to do this sort of stuff. You know, that's a type of teaching, uh, outdoor ed, you know, self-discovery stuff. But yeah, I it's... outdoor ed. You yeah. just give me a flashback. I love <laughs> outdoor ed. Oh my God. Um, well, you know that as a teacher, like there needs to be that combination of free play and unstructured exploration. Yeah. And there needs to be like, these are the rules of basketball. Here's how we play. Right. Let's all play now. And yeah. like both of those have to exist. And we tend to lose both as we get older or what we keep becomes the structured aspect of like, this is how you exercise. This is the only way to do it. When there's time and place for like, this is how you do a push up, But there's also time and place for like, figure it out and explore and play and pick up weights in all sorts of weird ways and move your body in fun and unique and interesting ways. And then go have fun. Yeah. Go have fun. Like kids do like to your point, don't worry about trying to like practice so often, just go out and do it. Sometimes. Go, go to, you know, we just, uh, unfortunately we went to the, Sean and I went to the cottage and missed the storm that hit Southern Ontario, but we got like two oh. feet of snow in 24 hours. Oh my gosh. And, it, and and as you're saying, just go play. It's like, well, modify stuff. Go play. It's like, go tobogganing. Go tobogganing with your kid. Because you know what? Walking up the hill, pulling the toboggan, that's cardio workout. For sure. And then, and then you rest on the way down, and then it's cardio back up. Like, a lot of people <laughs> don't know that. Or, you know, if you're going to work out in your house, it's like, damn, I got to shovel two feet of snow out of the driveway? That's cardio, man. And it's yeah. got some strength and mobility and that sort of stuff. It's like... You don't, you don't have to work out and then go shovel the driveway. Just put the workout away and go shovel dry, go shovel snow. Yeah, exactly. Like find, you don't even have to find them. Life invites you in lots of ways to be active. Yes. We just have 
had some of that disappear for us. You know, like I, I've loved seeing since you retired all the home projects you've been doing and the oh. reno stuff that you've been up to. <laughs> so I'm like, look at that. Not only is he learning skills, because you probably weren't quite as expertise as you are today. About well, I, I am a carpenter. Oh, you are? I oh, am. I, I know. I, 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 I volunteered to Josh that when he was doing the upstairs, uh, I don't know what he called it, because when I went to visit him um, seven, eight years ago, that's where I, you know, I would cook him and Ashley dinner and that sort of stuff. And I had like, well, what did I make? I was making, uh, uh, what was I making? Enchiladas, I think. And I had like a um, uh, a little toaster oven and I had a couple of hot plates and they're like, you made that in there because they would always go out and eat, <laughs> you know? So, but, and I volunteered, I said, listen, man, if you want to do some work down here, I'll come down in the summertime with my truck and my tools. I'll just uh, hang yeah. out. You don't have to pay me because I get paid anyways. Right. Yeah. 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 I love that. Well, so you already had some skills at hand, but like, I've loved seeing how you like that's active and that's moving in ways where it's like not traditional movement, picking stuff up, hanging a, hanging a thing on a wall. Like, yeah. Stuff in reaching your arms overhead like that's all super cool opportunities to move your body and i want people to be able to do that forever so that they can feel like they don't have to farm that stuff out anymore and it, it creates this little feedback loop doesn't it yes if you exercise take care of your body do regular movement then you're able to do more stuff and yep. then you're able to do more stuff so it's still you still are able then to exercise and move and then it like it keeps being circular like that yeah, self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. So if anyone's prophecy that they're fulfilling right now is the one they don't like, I'm like, all we have to do is make a few changes yeah. and start to incorporate some other things that will help your body get on that path of like, it. you trained it to be able to do it. And so it can do it. And so then you still can train it to be able to do it and it can still do it. And that goes on forever until yeah. we die. So I think and, it's really neat. And, and for the most part in my career of being a carpenter and, and a phys ed teacher and stuff, and and being very active, I think the only thing that my body suffers from, it doesn't suffer from all the activity I've done all my life. It's been all the freaking injuries, <laughs> broken bones. When I tell people how many bones, you know, like basketball players, I've broken all my fingers and one thumb, Lovely. you know, and thankfully, <laughs> thankfully only this finger is being, it's my index finger on my left hand is bothered by arthritis. That's you know, good. so, and, th and then I have a, a, a really bad knee injury I sustained in university playing ball. And I had thought that maybe I hadn't really severely damaged the ACL. And I had just recently gone to a sports medicine doctor because my previous one moved away. And uh, I was like, I do not want to have knee surgery because from what I understand, most people say that's the end of skiing for you. And I, I will bear all the pain that it that it generates and thankfully telemark skiing doesn't bother my knees nice but when i when the sports medicine doctor was checking my knee doing that you know how they you lay there and they pull and twist and yeah. flex and and i was yeah. telling him that story and he goes uh i hate to tell you this but you really don't have an acl in there and i was like oh so that would describe in the last few years when i would go to turn and pivot and push off with my right foot i could feel this 
instant or a very momentary lag in my lower leg yep. following me. He goes, yes, yep. that's exactly what it is. So yep. I was like, I have that too. I have a partially torn ACL and it's like the weirdest jelly wiggle, like delay yeah. that happens where you're like, my lower leg didn't quite go with me there. Ugh. But nobody would uh, notice that that had happened, but because it's yeah. all that biomechanical feedback it's like, uh, Oh, what was that? So yeah. it's like, and then, and then I said, well, if I don't have an ACL, maybe I can, Maybe I can deal with having knee surgery, but I was like, I saw my mom. She had the traditional old one where they cut off the epicondyles and s drill a hole and slam in the new part of the knee. And then my dad had the new one where they just kind of cut off the epicondyles of the knees and then they glue the new stuff back on. And what a huge difference in recovery and lifestyle afterwards and Yeah, I always tell folks, if you can delay surgery for as long yeah. as possible, you should. Not only because you want to avoid such a, a heavy traumatic thing on your body, but the technology keeps getting better and better. And yeah. so I, folks who had knee surgery five years ago, even yeah. aren't helping the outcomes are even better each year. So like, while you want to avoid surgery at any time you possibly can, yeah. when you have to get it, it's like, you want the latest technology when yeah. you can't, when you have to get a surgery, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, if you can delay as long as you can, they're going to keep refining, keep getting better. Even if we say, okay, we know like hamstring grafts work really well for ACLs or whatever. Um, even how they do the hamstring graft is going to get better and yeah. better and better. Yeah. So if anyone's out there struggling with like pre-surgery questions like that, like, yeah, ask lots of questions, get to know your doctor really well, ask a million other opinions because it's, it's going to keep, someone is continuing to get better at this yeah. and you you'll find the person who's the perfect fit for you, who will do an amazing job yeah. and help yeah. you get back to it. And to that end, while you're delaying surgery, as long as you can get as strong as you can, because if the stronger you go in, the stronger you're going to come out. Yeah. It's amazing. I had a colleague who had to have a knee replacement and she was doing so much pre-operation physio. Yeah. And then after she had it, she bounced right back. Yeah. And even another friend who had um, kidney stones mm. and he was overweight and he went to this really big clinic that they have in Toronto and they said, okay, you're going to have to lose some weight. You're going to follow this diet. Da -da 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 -da. Anyway, so he did all that, pretty much became vegetarian. And when he went back to see them, they said, uh, yeah, you don't need the surgery anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, taking care of the body is a really important thing. Yeah, body responds. So the more you can do for it, you might actually not have to have a surgery. That's a cool story. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, it kind of sounds like a, an ending point almost. So you have to, yeah. let's let's do a lot about the book. Oh, the other thing I want to talk about. So Kate has this book called The Unbreakable Body, but she also has a field guide that accompanies it. I do, I do. Because I think it's really important for people to track their progress with stuff not only because your brain remembers it better when you write it down, but also like this notion of the explorer's mindset that I was talking about earlier, you're going to be doing some experimenting and you're going to be figuring out what works best for you. And wouldn't it be nice to have a handy dandy little book that you can refer back to that you've actually filled in with what you figured out works for you. Cause I don't know about you, Keith, but like when I'm in the middle of like some situation that's painful or an injury or whatever, I'm not, like that clear headed where I'm like, Oh, I remember what I did for this last time. I remember the exact order of things that I did. I remember how it worked for me. I remember how many days it took me to feel better. I'm not thinking about that. Oh, stuff. see, I'm but that guy. 
I was, I was, yeah, I was, you know what, as teaching, they, they say, okay, you got to write this stuff down, got to write this stuff down, got to write this stuff down. I was like, that takes too much energy. I can remember all that stuff. <laughs> so like I, I would do yoga with a yoga instructor and then I had a friend who came with, uh, came with me and she actually became a yoga instructor. And then I would teach yoga in my phys ed classes. And before my friend became a yoga instructor, she goes, how do you remember all that stuff? I was like, I don't know. I just do, you know? So <laughs> I'm, I'm that, I'm that guy. Yeah. My, my friend. Yeah. I, uh, I've got that brain that keeps all that shit back there just in case, you know? I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> For those who are not as good as Keith at remembering everything, the um, How to Be Unbreakable field journal is going to help people put into practice what they learn in the book and then curate this list of things that actually work really well to help their body feel good. Because as much as I would like to tell people that once you solve your problem once, you'll never have it again, uh, we're bodies. <laughs> and that's just not the way they work sometimes. And um, it, it, you want to shorten that recovery process as quick as you can. And having being like, oh, yeah, I did this, this, and this last time this happened. Okay, I'm going to do that this time. It really helps people out. So if they want to, it's, it's not like, a requirement for the yeah. book, but if they want a companion book to help them apply what they're learning in Becoming Unbreakable, the How to Be Unbreakable field journal will help them do that. It, it sounds like it's the Coles uh, notes, the self, the self Coles notes to the Unbreakable Body. Exactly. Awesome. And where can we get these things? If you're in the lower 48 of the U.S., you can order direct from my shop, which is theunbreakablebody.com slash shop. Um, and for now, I'm only shipping in the lower 48 because anyone who knows who runs a business that ships, it's a little complicated figuring it all out and making sure you do it all right and that everything gets where it needs to go. Um, but for now, it'll be a lower 48 through my shop. Otherwise, go to your Amazon that you have in your country or wherever you live and um, order both of the books through there. They're both findable. Um, yeah, so Amazon. in Canada, because I wanted to buy it, get it, and I was kind of hoping to get it through your shop and maybe you could I sign it for it. me. But in Canada, we can only get the Kindle version of... I found out that you can get the paperback. Oh, can I, you? I just checked in this morning with a friend of mine. Yeah, she ordered it and the book arrived on her doorstep yesterday. So it's shipping... So was that through Amazon.com or Amazon.ca? I'm not sure which one through she, she ordered through, but okay. um, it arrived to her. So that was good. Um, and I've had a few people in other countries say it arrived to them. So there may be something with like being an American. I don't know how the Amazons work in other right. countries, but um, you can order through Amazon and there's Kindle and a paperback version for the book. And then the field journal is only a paperback version because right. I want you to write in it. I want right. you to actually write out the stuff that you're learning. Um, and so, um, yeah, so folks can find it there. And if folks want to keep up with me, um, they can of course do that on social media, um, or come to my website, theunbreakablebody.com and fitforreallife.com, which is my other website where I write at. Um, and then kind of keep up on things and find out what, what's coming up next. And if they want to do the workout program with me, uh, they'll have a, all the information about that. Um, so yeah, I hope folks will follow along and, and, and get unbreakable with me. And the other thing that Kate and I talked before we came online here was I didn't delve into a whole lot of Kate's unbreakable body, uh, pillars, uh, because she has done them with her partner, Josh Madsen, on the Free Heal Life podcast. So check that out. He's on Spotify, on YouTube, I believe. 
and Apple Podcasts and that sort of yeah. stuff. So I try not to uh, do what other people have done. So this has been lots of fun, Kate. I agree. I love catching up with you and just having a great conversation. I feel like we should have like a beer or something. We can clean glasses. And- <laughs> well, you know what? I've been trying to get that with a bunch of telemark skiers. My friend Yarl out in uh, Oregon, we call it gear, beer, and anything weird. <laughs> <laughs> and one day, one day we had some people from Colorado. We had a dude from Australia. There's us in Cal- oh, cool. Ca- Canada. Yeah. And like we're in, in North America, we're drinking beer and the dude in Australia, he's having breakfast. Which is a good time for beer if you're in Australia. Yeah, well, that's why they make breakfast stouts, right? Exactly. (laughs) Well, we'll clink our imaginary glasses together, but I'm really thankful to get to hang out with you, Keith, and have a good conversation and hopefully you like it too. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, thanks so much for uh, doing this with me. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, there you have it, crew. Episode 24 of the Skippy Report, in the books. A huge thank you to my good friend Kate Galliette out in Utah for sitting down during this episode to talk about her program and her new book, Becoming Unbreakable. And about, It's all about aging gracefully and maintaining resiliency while you remain active as you age. Something that I think we all should look into. If you're looking for a book, you can find it here in Canada on Amazon.ca, Becoming Unbreakable. And if you're down in the U.S., you can get it at her store. And you can also get it on Amazon.com. If you're looking for information about Kate being a personal trainer, athletic therapist, all that sort of stuff, former gym owner, check her out on Instagram at Kate Galliette, at The Unbreakable Body. And fit for real life. Thanks again for sitting in on this episode of the Skipper Report. And check back later for another episode. Peace out.